0: Hello and welcome to PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. Okay, so today we have a guest with us. If you would, uh, Elle, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Elle. Um, I have multiple neurodivergences myself, and then my child has multiple. Um, She's four. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's we were talking earlier, you know, I've, when I started this, the, the whole idea was to create this community and have a place where like people, not only like parents of, um, neurodivergent kids, but also people who have different neurodivergences and professionals could all sort of come together. Um, and so it's really great to have someone, you know, who's kind of, on all on two sides of that right because you have neurodivergences and then you are also raising a child with with those so this will be a really great um episode i think so i guess we could just sort of start like for you and what was your diagnosis process like was it like early or late and did it how did it differ from that of your child
1: um so I was diagnosed when I was Mm born with ADHD and then I'm not exactly sure when I was diagnosed with dyslexia and dyscalculia later on sometime elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I, it wasn't until I had my kid that I actually did research into ADHD for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, like, nobody really told me. I thought it was just me being easily distracted. Like, I thought that was the extent of it. So I kind of still, even though I had that ADHD diagnosis, I still grew up kind of feeling like I'm just broken. Right. Because I didn't realize the full extent of it. Yeah. Um, But then my kid, around six or seven months, I noticed that she moved a whole lot more than the other babies in music class. And, like, she just would not stop moving she would bounce and she was way more active than all the other children and so you know i'm adhd my mother is adhd my grandmother is adhd so i'm like mom do you think she might be adhd and she's like oh yeah i called that months ago (laughs) like
0: already said that
1: (laughs) yeah and um so i mentioned it to her pediatrician And she said, you know, they don't, they don't diagnose ADHD that young. Right. But she did say that she had, um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Okay. I, when I was looking up the ADHD, everything for myself, I read, um, Divergent Minds by Janara Nirenberg. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if I'm saying that right, but that had a whole chapter on autism and women mm-hmm. and um it stood out to me so I looked up she she mentioned Samanthas crafts checklist of female autistic traits mm-hmm. and I went through that and everything in my life suddenly made sense right um, so after several more months of uh, I, mean, I guess it was it was a good maybe year because I didn't Yeah. Okay. So after that, I I did several months of deep dive research Mm -hmm. before bringing it up and I brought it up to my therapist and it was really actually, it was really funny because I brought it up to my therapist and she was like, Oh, well maybe we can look into that. And then the next week I actually had, she was working under someone at the time. So I had Mm -hmm. to have my diagnoses reconfirmed by her supervisor, I guess. So Mm -hmm. they did like a a re-evaluation thing and the supervisor after that appointment pulled my therapist aside and was like has she ever mentioned anything about being autistic or on the spectrum so the next appointment I had with my therapist she's like yeah so my supervisor thinks she came get an evaluation um I just thought the timing of that was hilarious right. um but so I I saw that i saw the symptoms mm-hmm. that i did had myself as a child that emily was having mm-hmm. that i previously thought was just you know i did it so she did it it's normal it's not um or you know normal right. relative but right Excellent. things like hit like hit, she would hit her head against things like hard things and i used to do that as a child myself mm-hmm. like i would just just for the pressure against your head right um, but things like that so i mentioned it to my pediatrician or her pediatrician when she was two mm-hmm. and because I, I mentioned that possibility in the adhd and she says that they don't diagnose adhd but that she would recommend getting on the wait list for autism di- evaluation mm-hmm. um, and that took another year and a half um because there's back up oh yeah but she got diagnosed about a little over six months ago now, with with autism, mm-hmm. and um, that made a lot of sense, right? But it wasn't until I, I was listening to uh the podcast Two Sides of the Spectrum, which mm-hmm. is actually for like occupational therapists, but like I said, I deep dive. Oh into yeah, subjects. I get it. Um, so they had. Harry, whose last name I don't remember. Thompson? Yeah, yeah, yes. Love him. Yes. So that made me, that kind of flew up, or put up the PDA flag for me. hmm And then I read a bunch of books on that. It was really the um, the book My Daughter's Not Naughty that <gasps> kind that of cemented. oh my gosh, she's PDA and I am definitely PDA. Um, And then I mentioned that to her occupational therapist. And she was about to, like, she was currently trying to figure out how to bring that up to me. Really? (laughs) Um, I'm like, have you heard of PDA? Or PDA? And she's like, yes. And yes, I do think she has it. Nice. Um, But I know. I'm so thankful for her occupational therapist. Like, she goes over and beyond what most, what, what I've seen you know, in my area, that most mm-hmm. people go through. Like, she is a phenomenal person.
0: Yeah, and I mean, having having good people on your team is so helpful.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I love her to death. Yeah. But yeah. So a lot of a lot of our symptoms or traits mm-hmm. are very similar. Okay. Um, except
0: for the ones that definitely are not i mean how does that because i I know you know because it's a spectrum everybody kind of has different things so like how are your um like your traits or your presentations of your different neurodivergences different from your child's like how how do you handle that
1: i take each day as it comes (laughs) right Um, so like you know, a lot of our things are similar, but mm-hmm. it's it seems like the big ones are the ones that are kind of complete opposite. Like, she is incredibly touchy-feely. Like, mm-hmm. the whole day she wants to be touched, pet, um, just be right up on you. Right. And i very touch-averse. Okay. Um, and I'm not so sure how much of that is the autism and how much is, like, PTSD, but... yeah. Either way, I don't like being touched, and she, you know, she—I have to. She sleeps in my bed at night because she doesn't sleep through the night if she's not with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's kind of like I'm being touched twenty four seven, and I right. don't like being touched. <laughs> so yeah, that is that's our biggest problem. I think is because I get when I get overstimulated, mm-hmm. she still wants to touch me. Yeah. Um, but then she also one of her big stems is. She does this, like, sing-songy screech thing. Okay. And it it really hurts my head.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, now, that one isn't so bad because, like, I have noise-canceling headphones, and I can go out of the room as long as mm-hmm. she's not in the mood where she follows me from room to room. Right. Um, <laughs>
0: Been there. But, yeah.
1: And then she has this weird thing lately where, I think it's when she's feeling, like, overstimulated herself. She wants the heat on in the car, and it's all, I mean, you know, it's summer in the south. Right. It's hot.
0: Oh, girl, I feel you. I'm in Texas. I get it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and she wants me to turn the heat up, and, like, if I don't turn the heat up, like, she'll know if I just turn the cold air on and say it's the heat. Yeah. You know, she knows. But, like, also, heat is my number one. Like that's the biggest oh, way no. to overstimulate me almost instantly. Yeah, is heat, especially because in Georgia we have very humid heat, so it mm. like sticks to you. Yes. It. Um. To so, yeah, and I mean some of them. You know, during the fall we spend a lot of time outside, and that's great because that regulates both of us mm-hmm. um we both enjoy it it's just not fall anyone. <laughs> oh
0: man i know i know it's like you basically drink the air um and I, if for people who have never lived in like the humid southern summer you really just there's no way to explain it
1: you're like instantly wet
0: yes as soon as you walk outside you are sweating with less than like 30 seconds at the most you're already sweating it's it's pretty heinous because we're um we're really close to the coast so yeah (laughs) I, i completely completely relate to what you're saying um so yeah i mean so what i guess because you're talking about you know And a lot of the stuff that you read, I I read, too, because I did I did a deep dive because, you know, they were like, okay, here's here's what's going on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this light bulb moment. Right. This is it. This is what's going on with my child. And so as someone who, you know, like half of what I do is research. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to funnel my professional skills into this and and read everything i possibly can because on i was kind of on the other end of that i was dealing with a bunch of people who had never heard of pda didn't know what it was so i was having to figure out what it was fully to explain it to them so like for you in your experience what has been the biggest i guess it kind of i don't know if it would be those opposing um overstimulation moments or what but like what has been like the biggest struggle of both being a pda or and raising one
1: so i think the biggest issue is that she when she gets to the point where she feels like she's lost control of the situation you know mm-hmm. she'll try and do things to kind of control my behavior and mm-hmm. like logically i understand she's trying to regulate you know it's, it's nervous system i understand that but also, I instantly don't want to do it because she asked me to do it. Or right. Not, no, if she asks me, that's okay. But she tells me. And mm-hmm. I instantly do not want to do that thing. Because right. Because she told
0: me. Right, because okay. it's triggering your PDA. Exactly.
1: I don't want to do it anymore. I would have been perfectly fine doing it if you had asked, but you're, like, demanding it. And, right. Uh, I, yeah. So, usually I am able to do it anyway it might take i might i feel really petty saying this sometimes i might make it take a little longer for me to do the thing Mm -hmm. as like my own way of right putting control yeah
0: no i mean it makes sense yeah because i mean yeah yeah you're dealing i mean you're dealing with the same thing she's dealing with so you have to find a way to make it work for you as well because i mean you have that same roadblock you know yeah I whenever you were like I have PDA and I'm raising in PDA -er," and I'm like I I was like wow that has to that has to be a a very sort of progressive learning experience working between the two
1: and like especially since I have to like I have to learn everything at the same time that I'm also trying to apply what I'm learning to her. Right. Cause like she was the whole reason I did this whole deep dive into ADHD to begin mm-hmm.
0: with
1: is I wanted to get ahead of the curve of the and like know how I can best help her. Right. But then I also have to figure out all this new information about myself and mm-hmm. figure out what works with my sensory system and how to accommodate my own life. While accommodating hers, and like everything that they suggest for the majority of autistic people don't work with PDA. So I had just gotten to the point where I was figuring out all the accommodations for just autism, and then I had to throw out half of the majority of them because right. it doesn't work here.
0: Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. And that's, I was just, um, I was just talking to Declan's dad earlier because, you know, people are like, oh, well, you should, you know, get him into therapy, but a, almost everyone around here is exclusively ABA when dealing with anything autism related, and that doesn't work with BDA at all. <laughs> I like, think it will exacerbate everything like that's not gonna happen so it's like well we can't because nobody is really trained in any techniques that are going to help him um so we're having to try to get see if we can get him in somewhere in houston that maybe will have something because we're in such a smaller area so yeah
1: yeah. i mean i'm i am in a pretty like i'm only like 45 minutes away from atlanta so i'm in okay i'm in the city and even here I I really lucked out with her occupational therapist. I really did. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure even in her practice of all the other occupational therapists, like, they work Mm hand-in-hand. I mean, there's an ABA office in the building. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there's her speech and occupational, and then there's an ABA office right there, too. And, like, I was just... Because going into the interview, like, the initial evaluation with her, you know, I kind of throughout feelers about ABA right? Um, and I was just, I was so lucky to find her cause she doesn't really follow ABA. Like she doesn't agree with it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, there are even, even for people who aren't, you know, who don't have the, the PDA profile, um, just people with, you know, certain parts of the autism spectrum, it just doesn't work really well with them either. Um, Yeah,
1: and I mean, I feel like it's, I mean, there's two separate models. You Mm -hmm. know, ABA is trying to fill the adults, it's trying to fill the neurotypical adults' needs. Right. And then, because we have, we have a group that does, like, different autism events and stuff, and I haven't made it to one yet because all the flyers like, they're so heavily ABA and like social skills oriented mm. that I'm kind of hesitant to go at all. Right. Um, I mean, they had a camp, they have a camp, like a summer camp week. And they specifically say on the flyer that it's like a week of social skills with fun included. And I'm sorry, if you're going to camp, camp is supposed to be fun. Right. First. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. like, that's what you should be leading Four with. Long. Let them have fun.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh, I know. It's
1: very frustrating.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's. Yep, that's uh, so I guess for you as a neurodivergent parent <clears throat> raising a neurodivergent child, what would be if you could, like, give one piece of advice to other neurodivergent parents um, raising neurodivergent kids what would that be do you think
1: i think my biggest piece of advice would be to figure out like write down your sensory profile Mm -hmm. as opposed to your kids and figure out how to get both of your needs met because i feel like so much emphasis is always on the kids sensory diet Mm -hmm. but you're not going to be in a place to actually make that diet happen if you are not also regulated
0: right like you can't pour from an empty cup.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like it takes it takes a lot of work to figure that out. Like I'm am still figuring out my sensory profile, and like it's I feel like I'm having to I am I'm having to accommodate myself without mm-hmm. knowing what accommodations I need.
0: Right, and it's just like you as you go along, you realize, oh, okay, you know, this was actually a trigger for me, and. Then you have to figure out how to work through that
1: too yeah or like i'll know that the way my brain needs to work to get this thing done is not how my brain works but i don't know what to do to like make it work anyway right yeah like i don't know what yeah it's kind of like at the doctors are like how do you best under or how do you best receive information and it's like you know um seeing doing reading about and i'm all, I'm all i am all, always do all of the above because like i don't know i don't know it depends on the thing
0: yeah yeah absolutely you know it's it's depends on what are you trying to talk to me about how long are you going to be talking to me you know is this something that i am going to be heavily interested in you know it depends on the topic. It depends
1: on the topic. It depends on the lighting in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, are there any weird smells
0: going on? Yep. Are, are the lights buzzing?
1: Yeah. You oh know? gosh, yes. Or lights flickering. Mm. I, I, I load both of those.
0: Yeah, we... Now, m- mind you, I'm more... I'm not... I haven't been diagnosed with any sort of neurodivergence, but there are certain things that, like, I can get sensory overload for sure. And whenever I'm teaching some of our classrooms have like vents that rattle or fluorescent lights that buzz and I'm just like why is this happening yes and it will throw me off while I'm standing there trying to teach I'm like can anybody else hear that I can't I can't handle it yeah because like I can't focus on anything else no please. no it, it's like center of my brain and so I can't pull the facts that I need to pull in order to teach and it's it's maddening um So yeah, um, I definitely have uh, like some sensory issues, but um, haven't quite gotten to addressing those just yet. I'm actually, we're actually in the process now. My 20 year old is, uh, he was like, hey mom, so what are the odds that I might be on the spectrum too? I'm like, well, sweetheart, (laughs) as we sit down and think about this, 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 and this, and all the things that we've learned about neurodivergence from, you know, the two younger ones. It's entirely possible. (laughs) It's like the whole family. Um, so yeah, that's, it's really, it's as you're learning about the different things and you're, you're researching for your child and you start seeing yourself in the research, you're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense now. Yeah. So, so whenever you do get overwhelmed by either spells or sounds or lighting or whatever, what do you do? Like what is your go-to to to help meet your needs when you're feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated? I think my go-to is I have, I have a little list of several, I guess,
1: hacks, tricks. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There are different techniques to Bring your, bo- your body out of fight, flight, free, spawn, and right. back into the parasympathetic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, biologically, without, or I think, I don't know if I'm using that word correctly in this instance. But, um, like, it's not about, you know, calming your emotions down. It literally shifts your body, like, your nervous system. Okay. So, like, if you breathe in, you know, you, you breathe in, hold your breath, and then you breathe in more and get like as much as you can and hold your breath uh-huh. and then you breathe out all the air you possibly can through your mouth that makes your body automatically do this really deep like side mm-hmm. and that literally shifts your body your um yeah it shifts your nervous system so okay. at that point that's usually enough for me to be able to like actually focus and calm down Right. Enough to try and assess the situation. Okay. In which case, you know, I can decide to step out of the room or put my headphones on or take her to do whatever she is currently needing sensory-wise. Right. That I couldn't really focus on as she's just, you know, sitting there trying to hit me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really thinking which sensory system needs addressing. I'm just thinking, please stop freaking hitting me. Right.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um, now, this is one I've kind of, as an adult, PDA'er. Do you? And you, if you don't want to answer this, absolutely, you don't have to. Um, do you still have uh, like major meltdowns, or no? Um.
1: I mean, I'll. I will occasionally get to the point where, like, everything is just too much and I start crying and, like, I mm-hmm. will kind of fall to the floor, like, on my knees, kind of just, like, crying. Right. Um, I'm not sure if that would be just, like, a sensory shutdown or...
0: Um, or, like, a burnout type of situation?
1: Yeah. I mean... Usually by the time I'm finished crying, I'll I'll usually be a little tired so I'll take a nap. Mm-hmm. But after that, I'm generally okay again. So it's not like I'm completely burnt out. It's more just like there's was I was over, so I was too far past overstimulated. Right. Um now I will say as far as like pushing things that need to be done to the point where like I, you know, they I really should not have let it get that far it really needs to be done mm-hmm. it was kind of irresponsible of, ugh, I don't know why I can say that word. irresponsible mm-hmm. of me to let it go that far that still happens sometimes okay. um, luckily it's usually not something that's like life or I mean it's never life or death and it's usually not too too bad but it definitely causes problems sometimes
0: mm-hmm okay um,
1: alright so feel like a lot of my PDA symptoms are more internal than external. Okay. Those are definitely currently external.
0: Oh yeah. Um I mean that's one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of the parents that I've seen post things in like the, the PDA boards on um on Facebook and whatnot as they're <clears throat> the older they get, the more they're able to sort of it becomes more internal the way you're you're explaining. And so when they're younger though, there's there's just no filter um and it's they they're just so overwhelmed. And that's that's the one thing I see and that's I think for me that is probably the most heartbreaking part of of watching Declan go through what he goes through because he is I mean those emotions are so strong and they're just it's it's a combination of you know the fear the anger and you can just see it all swirling in there and he just doesn't know where to go and it's all just exploding out of him and I'm like you poor thing you know that's
1: you feel like you're going to explode yeah because I I I did have I did melt down a good bit when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know. I have to ask my mom if I did like when that I started. I just know that as a teenager, yes, I would pull my hair, cry, scream.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I didn't really break things but it, I just You do. You feel like you are going to explode. There's so much turmoil inside of you, and on you know, on one hand, obviously I didn't um, enjoy that at the time, but it does help me now have more like compassion for Emily because I can see Mm it in her, right? Like she's trying not to, and I'm working really hard on teaching her how to recognize her own emotions as well Mm -hmm. because like she'll get to the point where she'll be crying and she'll just start saying you know i want to stop crying but i can't Mm -hmm. And like she'll ask me for like a deep hug and at that point you know she knows that it's her sensory system that is having the issue here it's not even so much emotion anymore it's Mm -hmm. she needs the deep pressure to be able to regulate
0: right yeah Oh, yeah
1: yeah it's heartbreaking it's it's heartbreaking because they're so it, the emotions are so big for such a small body
0: yeah oh yeah um and it's just you know you're as a parent you want to like here let me take it so you don't have to deal with it but it's it's not something that can you can it's not something you can take um so yeah. you just have to help them sort of ride that wave and get through it so yeah it's and it's something that like other people people who are raising neurotypical children who don't go through these things they just they can't wrap their brains around it and they're like well you just need to do this and it's like that's not going to work <laughs> and your advice is not helpful so please stop <laughs> just stop um yeah
1: and it's really frustrating cuz like I'm the first generation that does, that is trying you know, not authoritarian parenting. Right. So initially I was going gentle parenting and that doesn't completely work with PDA. Mm-hmm. So it's like I had just sold my, my family on um, gentle parenting and now I kind of have to switch it out a little to, you know, I have to tailor it to PDA as well. Mm-hmm. So they're just thinking I have no idea what I'm talking about when really it's,
0: you know, the situation is
1: evolving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very frustrating.
0: It's flexibility. That is what the one thing I've explained to, you know, my family. Um, Shane's explained it to his family. It's just like we have to be flexible. We have to figure out how to meet him where he is. And it's not about him being the boss of the house or anything else. It's about finding what he needs um, because he's not doing this because he wants to. He's doing this because he can't stop it.
1: Yeah. I found, I don't remember who said it first, but I found that reframing it as a nervous system disability Mm -hmm. and like the pink hand drums and the, Power struggles there as panic attacks really helps put it in perspective.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Because it people have to understand that this is they're in you know like you were saying it's absolute turmoil going on in there, um, and it's not just because for the longest time we kept getting oh it's odd it's odd and I'm like this isn't a power thing, this isn't power. He's, he's not trying to get power here. ODD is based in a need for power. He is not in control. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, these are some of the things, too. Like, what – because these are some of the things that, you know, I wish more people knew. Like, what is something that you wish more people knew or understood about um, – neurodivergence and the neurodivergent community
1: I think that the biggest thing that gets in our way mm-hmm. is social constructs mm-hmm. especially like because there's so many that just are completely unnecessary
0: right yeah
1: and like they're, they're not necessary so having people like adhere to these constructs really just makes day-to-day life more inaccessible
0: oh yeah and then because Declan had there was a in-home person who this this school district sent out, like she would come to the house and work with him on, you know, like social skills and things like that. And it was like, she expected him to open the door and say hello and ask her how her day was and then invite her in. And it's like, he would just looked at her. He's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know why unless you're she here. can't
1: come in unless you invite her to um, Right.
0: It's <laughs> just like, why? So yeah, there's just, there's so many things that, oh, well, that's just the way it's done. Right, but why? And no one can ever tell you why.
1: (laughs) Because there's no reason why.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know, I know. So yeah, uh, that's, that's definitely, because I feel like expecting those things from neurodivergent people and not getting them, or just like expecting those things in general, the people who don't give that back to you, you automatically, like people will assign, oh, well, that person's just rude or that person just this or that. And it's like, no, they just don't understand why you're expecting these ridiculous rituals to be upheld. Yeah. And like, if you give me, if, if you
1: can give me an actual reason for why, a ritual needs to be done, then I'm all for it. Right? But like, if there's no reason, I'm not gonna do it. Exactly. But it's really interesting because I feel like I intention, like I lead my life with such intention in things that I do. It kind of seems unlogical that most people don't like they just do things because that's how it's done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way it's always been. Okay. That doesn't mean that it makes sense though. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what do you think, like, kind of along the, the same lines, um, what kind of changes do you like coming from an actual neurodivergent perspective. Like what kind of changes in society really need to be made? I'm
1: trying to think of like neurodiverse specific ones.
0: I mean obviously the the social construct stuff would be, you know. Super helpful.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I feel like we're kind of in a lose-lose situation to, uh, with capitalism to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole way it, the society is set up is just based on how productive people can be. And mm-hmm. that kind of goes completely against neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, That's not... The most important thing in life is how productive we can be, and that's how we are uh, measured. Right, every day, it's how productive can we be? How much can we, you know, make? How, how many hours can we work? And mm-hmm. that's just not how most neurodiverse people measure their life.
0: Right, because again, it goes back to well where's the logic what is what is the reason for doing all of this right yeah
1: money itself is a social construct (laughs) like there's so much like the whole idea of capitalism kind of works off of a scarcity mindset and that's Mm -hmm. not the case right like i see the food that the grocery stores are throwing away so why do we have people that are hungry like Mm -hmm. yeah Mm hmm.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I think one of the things that I've, when I've encountered it that I've really appreciated for the kids is just the fact that more people are aware of like sensory issues in general, you know?
1: Yes. And definitely as opposed to like when I was a kid.
0: Oh my gosh. I know. Um, like when we went to, because my uh, my sixteen year old was performing at <clears throat> Disney World back in March with the choir, and um, when we went, they had a whole Disney has a like a disability access service, and you sign up for it, and so instead of having to have Declan in those queues where it's loud and it's crowded and it's hot. Um, we would just check in. We would still have to wait the same amount of time, but he could wait out in open spaces where he could get away and he had his, you know, we had his STEM pack with us and all of that. So having those options available, I think if we could expand that would really help a lot of people.
1: Yeah, the Dash Pass is the only way we could have gone to Disney. Oh my gosh. Like she could not have done that without it
0: no no because those cues are they are i mean extremely loud there's a lot of lights there's a lot of things to see there's there's people there's oh it's a mess and they're so long yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah for sure um so that was but, a huge relief yeah, i
1: think sorry mm-hmm. I, I think the das pass is like the model that Most places need
0: to (laughs) copy. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, now, what about like with school? Have you because your your child is four? You said. Yeah,
1: she'll be four next month.
0: Okay, so do you guys do preschool or anything?
1: Um, we did like a once. So it was called Play to Learn. Okay. Like once a week, um, it's like an hour and a half thing, like in the school. But going forward, I'm going to be homeschooling her. Okay. Even though once it, it was like a one hour and or one and a half hours, and that completely overstimulated her for the rest of the day. Yeah. So, I'm just going to go ahead and call it um, <laughs> yeah. at least for now, and homeschool. And I mean, I was homeschooled my entire life right so you know i i know how to homeschool there's so many more social opportunities
0: now oh yeah and there's there's so much too i mean there it used to be you know you had to order these books and like you know have the ability to you know understand all of the concepts in order to teach them to your kid and now i mean there are so many virtual options and everything else with you know teachers there who are already trained in it Um, because that was one of the things i was concerned about i'm like whenever we get to high school like declan's extremely intelligent odds are he's going to go beyond me in my mathematical skills and so (laughs) i was like i don't know if i'll be able to do it um but you know there are so many options now with teachers to where you can do it virtually. I mean, you can do homeschool and you can still have that support. And it makes a huge difference for the kids because I can tell you right now, we have not, we haven't had the best uh, experience the past couple of years. So.
1: In the school system?
0: Mm-hmm. He was terrified of his, and this was the special ed teacher too he was terrified of that man terrified
1: yeah i remember your, your episode where you were talking about how you would come home saying how much he thinks he hates him mm-hmm. that's just that's absurd
0: yep and so we especially
1: for a special ed teacher like yes <laughs> How do you even get to that position?
0: I have no idea. I have no idea. But the meeting, whenever we sat down for the meeting with the counselor, um, his dad looked at the counselor and said, if he doesn't understand what this is, he doesn't need to be working with autistic kids, period. And I was like, oh, he said it. (laughs) I mean, he's right. He is. No, I know he was. was, He beat me to it. Because, I mean, we went into that meeting upset. We were both very upset. So, I completely understand your desire to want to homeschool your kiddo because it's it's a mess.
1: I mean, she's just, like, she's not going to learn sitting. In, <clears throat> she, she doesn't sit for very long at a time, period. Yeah. Uh, the longest we get her to stay in one spot is when she's swinging. <laughs> but... Like, she's just not calm enough to succeed in the preschool right now. Right. And I don't want st- to, like, I'm, I'm not saying she'll never go to a public school, because she might, but I definitely don't want to start it off now when she has so much energy and, like, we can do things at home. I mean, good lord, the. All the way through elementary, like that's easy, easy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they all they learn everything fine. And if I can do, you know, if I can do things with her while she's being active, Mm -hmm. then she's going to retain it more.
0: Right? Exactly. Yeah, I think if if money was not an issue, I would love to open a school that is geared towards neurodivergent kids and has
1: a maker space yes yes yes
0: i just i think that would be phenomenal you know to have a place like that where kids could go to where they could learn in a way that best suits them
1: yes i would love to do that and I've, i've looked into it as far as like they have they have different coaching programs that'll like teach you how to set it up but even that like the price tag is so much more than i have to spend
0: right yeah so yeah that's um that would be a really just amazing experience but not with um (laughs) the cost of everything Well, is there anything else you would like to add?
1: Not that I can think of.
0: Hmm? Well, I, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's having that sort of alternate perspective is, I think, you know, part of what I was going for here is having people from all parts of this to sort of come together and and talk about like this is my experience and this is my experience because it's really helpful when you hear somebody else and you're like oh my gosh me too
1: yeah no that is so important
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think that's part of the reason i read so many different books like i just you know you need to feel like you're not alone right especially when it's something that you know isn't even actually a thing in the united states
0: probably. right oh my gosh yeah it's bonkers and I mean he's they're in the process of building a new school so we're changing schools this year so I have to go through the process of explaining everything at the school to the new counselor and the new teachers and blah 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 then he's gonna change schools again the next year <laughs> and it's like uh it's exhausting because you can't just hand them the stuff and say here's the thing because they don't read it because that's what happened last year. I handed them everything and they didn't read it.
1: And so that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you've done the work for them.
0: I know. Oh, I know. (laughs) Absolutely. But that is unfortunately where we're at with all of this. And we are just going to keep pushing until people start listening better. So, well... Thanks again. And if you would ever like to come back on, uh, just send me a message. We would love to have you back and talk to you again. Okay. All right.
1: Sounds good.
0: As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media, Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.